Luke chapter 1. There's a priest, a priest, not a high priest, not a chief priest, priest of priests, just a priest. His name is Zechariah, and he happened to be in the temple that day when an angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord told him not to be afraid. He had some news for him. There was one who was coming. And that he, in his old age, in his wife's barrenness, would have a child who would lead the way for the Savior of the world. An angel appeared to a priest. A little time later, there was a young virgin, a young girl, just a girl. And an angel appeared to this girl. And he promised that she would be the mother of the one who would save the world. She was overwhelmed. My soul magnifies the Lord, she said. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then there were some shepherds. Shepherds in a field watching their flock by night. And an angel appeared to them. And a whole host of angels appeared to them and said, Today, in the city of David, there is one who has been born, who is Christ the Lord. Go and see him. And the little shepherds went. And they went down into the city of Bethlehem, and there they found in a manger a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And they rejoiced. Great beginnings. But surprisingly, humble beginnings. Great beginnings. But humble beginnings. Eight days later, Mary and Joseph took their son to the temple as was the custom and as the law required. And when they went into the temple, they were recognized, first, first by an old woman whose name was Anna. She had, she had been in the temple and ministering there for many years since her husband died. She had spent the rest of her life devoted in the temple. And she recognized this baby, the one who would save the world. And there was an old man, probably even older than, than Anna was. And he'd been waiting in the temple. And he had been promised by God a favor to this old priest that one day he would get to see the Savior of the world and then he could depart. And so he, he prays over this child and, and blesses this child 
And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And these are our verses for today. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And then right here, sandwiched in between, maybe a whisper, I don't know. He says to Mary in a sword, will pierce through your own soul soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Maybe an aside to Mary. Hard words to hear for a mama. This little baby, glorious, the angels have spoken him out, but this, this child for you, Mary, all that he will go through will pierce your very soul. And the parents in the room said, Amen. Of all the glorious story of the book of Luke, uh, the first two chapters, angels coming to these humble people, to these humbled people, and God choosing them for his great story to unfold. And we have this beautiful story and the promises of a Savior that would come. And so this is Christmas, and so we, we preach first and second, third chapters of Luke, and some of our kids are going to recite them when we're opening presents, and it's a glorious time. But sandwiched within the glorious nature of Christmas is this little phrase, this little aside, but it's going to pierce you to your heart. Your soul will be pierced. Because the glory of Jesus that comes at Christmas has a long, there's a long journey till we get to the end of the story, right? And these may be the happiest, most glorious, most precious moments of the whole story because after that it becomes really difficult all along the way. Jesus is going to choose his disciples. He's he's going to be, he's going to go into the wilderness and he's going to be tempted. He's going to go without for 40 days. He's going to begin his earthly ministry and be opposed all along the way. He's going to seek out those who are the least in the whole community, people that you wouldn't want to speak to, those who are sick, those who are outside of the Jews, the Gentiles. He's going he's to talk to officers in the military. He's going to talk to tax collectors. And he's going to go to those who are humbled and those who are broken, and he's going to proclaim to them good news. Because Jesus is going to remake that things, those things were undone. He is going to bring pre- peace, where there is troubles and trials. This is the story of Luke. Today marks the last day that we are studying the book of Luke. We were over a year in the book of Luke. And we're, not, we're, in, we're at the end of Luke. We're not going to go all the way to the end because the last few chapters are Easter material. So we use those, we, we talk about that at Easter. But, but today we're looking in the 22nd chapter of Luke. And Jesus has been with his disciples. And last week we saw that 
He has the Last Supper with them. Then he, uh, there, there's an argument that breaks out between the uh, disciples about who's the greatest. And now he has departed to the Mount of Olives. And that's where we find our story today. That's where we'll end our series in the book of Luke. Jesus went out as usual to Mount of Olives, verse 39. And his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And so maybe your, eye, your brows should be furrowed just a little bit. And you wonder, what temptation is there in the uh, Mount of Olives in the garden? He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I know we were hoping for a little happier Christmas story. We might want to just have like sweet baby Jesus prayers right now. But there's no sweet baby Jesus without the suffering that goes along with it. And there is no real Christianity without the suffering that goes along with it. Jesus is with his disciples for one of the last times before his death. He's about to be arrested. These are his last words with them as a group. And where do we find Jesus? We see him in prayer. Can you imagine what Jesus is going through in these moments? Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows the physical part of it. I mean, he... he his biology lessons are, are uh, very good. He knows what will physically happen to him. He knows the pain that he will receive in going to the, to the cross. He knows the, the beatings that are to come. He knows what happens at crucifixion. He knows that he'll be in excruciating pain. He knows that these next days are going to be very difficult. The next hour is going to be very difficult. But not only does he know that, he knows that his disciples are going to turn their back on him. He is going to go to the cross alone. He's not just going to miss his disciples, but his father is going to turn his back on his son. He is going to go alone. He knows that for the wages of sin is death, and he knows that the sins of the world will be piled on him. The sins of the world will be piled on him. The one who knew no sin will have all of the, all of the sins piled on him. We can't imagine, can we? I mean, it's bad enough the guilt and shame we carry just with ours. But for God to know the heavenly equation, the, the godly dynamic, what, what righteousness really equals and sin really equals, and Jesus is going to have all of that on his shoulders. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> and Jesus is broken in those moments. He is physically 
worn out. It's been a long day, and it promises to be a long next hours as he goes for trial, and he is beaten. It is It is spiritual and mental anguish as he knows what's about to happen. He is truly taking all of this alone. Alone. And as he goes to the cross, he does this knowing that at any moment, have you thought about this? At any moment, Jesus could say, enough. He could stop. So that's, I, I don't, I don't want to go any further with it. So Jesus, in this moment, when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has to have the, the fortitude to say, I will go through with this all the way to the end. Even when I can stop, I'm not going to stop. And what is the response of Jesus? He is in anguish. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9 says this, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence, although he was a son. He learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus is in great anguish. He could give up all of this, but where do we find him? We find him in prayer. He's appealing to the Father, and he's in great anguish. And God hears his prayer, and what does he do? We see again angels. We saw at the beginning of the story. We see at the end of the story, the, 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 the angels are at the beginning of the story, telling of the great things that are yet to come. And at the end of the story, they are, they are lifting up the one who will save all of humanity. Great anguish. So Jesus prays. He is taken care of. And then he stands up and he goes back to the disciples. And where does he find the disciples? He finds them asleep. Now, okay, okay, okay. Try and put yourself in that place for just a moment. And you see the disciples, and they've had a hard time of it too, right? Uh, They get this news from Jesus that he's about to be, uh, one of them is going to turn their back on him, and they're going to uh, betray him. They know bad things are happening. They are worn out. They're worn out, and it says their anguish is so much that they, they are exhausted from sorrow, and so they found sleep. Exhausted from sorrow. So, when you're exhausted from sorrow, what is the one thing that you need? I'm going to say, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to say it out loud. Okay, you ready? Here it is. Here's the question. What, when you are exhausted with sorrow, what do you need? One, two, three, prayer. You didn't. <laughs> right? I mean, exactly. That's exactly right. One, two, three. Prayer. Prayer. Sleep. <laughs> You're not very fair. No, it doesn't seem fair at all, does it, right? Like when you. The text said they were exhausted. The answer for being exhausted is to take a nap, <laughs> right? I mean, that's. 
That's the answer to exhaust is to refuel. It only makes sense that they were asleep. But Jesus said, no, in your exhaustion, what I want you to do is I want you to stay awake. Doesn't seem helpful. And pray. You know, it is so, maybe not for you, because I know y'all are super saints, but when I'm tired, it's really hard to pray. Because as soon as I close my eyes, you, you wake up, you know, five minutes later, and you go, Jesus, you know. And so this is the disciples, and Jesus has told them in these moments, I want you to pray even though I know you're terribly exhausted, and they do what is natural, and they fall asleep. In the midst of their anguish, they fall asleep. In the midst of Jesus' anguish, he continues to pray to the Father. You know, I, I would imagine this is maybe the same in that culture, but I know that it's true in our culture. Like, we have a culture of pragmatism, right? Like, that only makes sense that I should sleep. We, we're okay what happens. The end justifies the means for us. But Jesus is calling them to something greater that seems too much, right? It seems too much to ask of them. But Jesus still asks of them to be faithful in prayer in the midst of their exhaustion. That's, a, that's, a, that's pretty difficult for us, isn't it? You know, part of walking with Jesus is that we have to go to the school of suffering. That's not, a, you know, that's not necessarily what we want to hear. But as we walk more of this journey with Jesus, we begin to see it's not really a bad thing. I, was, I got to hang out a little with some of my, my friends who are uh, in the AA community. And one of, the, one, of their, one of their friends and one of our friend, friends of ours was uh, really having uh, trouble. He was in pain, taking too much medicine, um, and medicating himself, it's like to say. And I heard one guy on the phone, and he said, that brother just needs to suffer. And you hear that and you go, initially, that's not very nice. <laughs> like, is that cruel? But that's the truth. That brother needs to learn how to suffer. We want to take shortcuts all the time. And so we, when we're tired, we want to sleep. And, and when, when we hurt, we want to medicate. When, we, when things aren't going our way, we want to complain or withdraw. When things get difficult, we want to substitute for what we really need is Jesus in those moments. I'm not saying don't sleep. I'm not saying that you don't need to take medicine. I'm not telling you those things. But I am saying that we need to look to Jesus in those moments. And oftentimes we take shortcuts because we're pragmatists. But sometimes we need, to learn, we need to learn to suffer. James tells us, James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joys, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. How are we going to get past these trials in life unless we are faithful in those things? If we don't count them all joy and say, like, Lord is doing something here. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, mature and complete, 
lacking in nothing. You see, the way of Christ requires that we are going to have moments of suffering and trials and anguish, and our response is not to go to default to the old man and to the old woman and find ways to medicate ourselves through those things, to find something that gives us a short-term peace, but to learn to, to, to look towards Jesus. I want to say I am not very far in this school. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not very far in this school. I have, I have some years to go. I'm still in junior high. But I know some brothers and sisters even recently who've been in this school and have informed me that this is not just a pipe dream. That you can learn to pray in the midst of pain. That you can learn to pray in the midst of suffering and anguish. You can learn to stay awake. I'm learning that one. Jesus has been our perfect example. He calls upon a people who he knows are in the midst of trial and struggle, and he calls them to pray. For in that prayer, they are communicating with God, but they're also receiving solace from him and peace. There is a place for suffering for the Christian. We will all go through that, through that school. And as you go through it, don't lose yourself. When you go through it, don't sleep on Jesus. Don't sleep on Jesus. Maybe you will be um, pierced at the heart like Mary was as she watched her son go through all of this. You will be going through trials. You will have pain. They, they may be small trials. They may be big trials. The difference between those two trials, it's kind of like surgery. Minor surgeries when it's somebody else. Major surgeries when it's me. And as you go through those trials, remember our glorious Savior. Go to him. Grow in the school of suffering. It's all of our lot. And it is not a punishment. It's part of a broken world. And it's part of us as broken people. But it's also for his glory and his purification and his sanctification he will see us through. Today, in the midst of your trial, don't sleep on Jesus. Turn to him.